Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. start by saying this. I do feel that it's very important that God wants me to speak to you this morning out of Luke chapter five. We're going to talk about Peter who cast out and caught so many fish and how that took place. And that's what I really felt like the Lord wanted me to speak on. But this morning he took me to the love story, the love passage in first Corinthians. And if I may, I'm going to read straight from the scripture, but let me read this to you because, and I'm going to read it out of the passion translation, because I just think it's so fantastic. He says, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move even mountains, but have never learned to love, then I'm nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I owned, if I were to feed the poor and offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the motive, the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Now listen, I'm going to go on just because I think it's so beautiful in the, in this translation. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love doesn't brag about one's achievements, nor does it inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor does it selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated, mamas, (laughs) or quick to take offense. But love, everybody say, but love, joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others love never takes failure as defeat because it never gives up love never stops loving it's a message in and of itself and i thought lord what what are you what are you saying here what what is what do you want me to say uh, Obviously, there's an obvious here. But I thought, you know, as I'm thinking about Luke chapter 5 and the miracle of all the fish that were caught that day and all that God was teaching him and the, the theme that God wanted me to bring, if I can find it, is basically the idea of plunging deeper into the works of God, going out farther Beyond just what seems to make sense, beyond reasoning, beyond the natural, and stepping into the super. But if we have not love, it will mean nothing. 
And so I can't go into this message without impressing upon you the importance of making sure that we're saturated in God's love. I I spoke yesterday about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. But again, this morning, God had me reread it. And he highlighted the very beginning where the woman at the well said, Do you want me to draw you some water? And Jesus said, If you knew who it was that you were asking to get water, to, to give you water, you would be asking me for water. And what he was saying is, you come to this well every day, the well of Sychar, which in the Greek means drunkenness. Whatever it is you're addicted to, whatever it is you're looking to bring you a high, whatever it is you're looking to lift you up, we could be talking about a relationship. We could be talking about your job. We could be talking about success. Whatever it is you're looking to, to lift you up, that you come to every day for a fresh drink of water. But Jesus says, if you knew who it was that you were asking, you would say, give me this water that you offer. And, and I love that you talked about getting a fresh drink of God's love. Because he was speaking that to me this morning. I want to give them a fresh drink of my love so that out of that love, they will be compelled. You know, the Bible says we are compelled because we are convinced. And some of us in this room aren't convinced. We still go back to our wall, well of Sychar, looking to it to fill us up, to replenish us, to encourage us, to give us the unction to function. And God says, there's something more for you. There's something better for you. And I'm sharing this with you because I really felt like as I'm going into this message about going deeper with God, there's a lot of my story in this. Because about 10 years ago, I had no understanding of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Everything that I did, I did without the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I read the scriptures. I taught the scriptures. I was in ministry, but I was incomplete because I did not have an understanding. In fact, I will tell you, I spoke against the movement of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that funny? I believed that it all had ceased, everything that I had been taught, but God kept laying a passage on my heart. In 1 Corinthians, when Paul said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. They were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God. And I got hung up on that passage, on that verse, and I thought in my head, listen, I'm a pretty good speaker, and I can be pretty persuasive. I've gone to speak, and if I start going like this while I'm speaking, half of you will start going like this with me. It's amazing, isn't it? So when I speak to youth, I'm constantly saying to them, look it up. Don't believe what I'm saying just because I'm saying it. Look it up. But if we bring the word without the accompanying signs, what good is it? What does it mean to bring more than just a persuasive, influential, very inspirational word if there's no demonstration of the Spirit's power? And God began to tie that into 1 Corinthians. 
and wanted to remind me to remind you that the greatest demonstration of his power is his love. Come on, let's not hyper-spiritualize it. Let's not say that the only demonstration of God's supernatural power is when somebody falls out and speaks in tongues. Because that's a, that's a demonstration of his power. But to the same point, if you came into Crazy 8 Ministries and you saw the transformed lives that don't come because we pray over them every day and they fall out and speak in tongues. But it comes because we love them when nobody else would love them. We demonstrate a love that keeps loving. A love that never fails. Loving sometimes people who are unlovable. Can I just say that? Most people think what we do that they're like, oh, thank you. Oh, we were just, no. Not everybody we serve wants to do what we ask them to do. They're not always thankful. They're not always grateful. But God says, keep loving them. 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 Just keep loving them. I don't have all the answers. I don't have the world's greatest program. I would like to think it is. But the reality is when we say we have a 98% success rate, I can give you factually because the world says, what does that mean? Well, it means they've overcome the suburban poverty of lack of affordable and accessible transportation. But God says there's a testimony that's written on the heart of lives. It's not written on stone. It's not written in statistics. It's not written on paper, but it's written in the heart of people who have been transformed, not because a program was so savvy, but because there was a love that was so supernatural. So if we have not love, then what good is it? What good is it if we have not love? I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 5. I am going to read out of, out of Luke chapter 5. And I want us to think about what it looks like in here, the invitation. You talked about a shift. And I want us to see that shift in Simon's life, an ordinary fish, fisherman who in a moment shifts into a whole nother level. In a moment. And that is so my story. Because we talk about the passage that says they're just ordinary unschooled people. I'm an ordinary unschooled woman. I didn't go to college. I didn't go to seminary. I don't have a preaching degree. All I know to do is love people. I raised my children. I was faithful in the home. I was like David out in the field, minding my own business, cleaning poop and feeding sheep. Six children. Homeschooling them. Cleaning up after them. Doing it with love to the best of my ability. And God said, there's my girl. There's my girl. There she is. Came out, poured oil over top of my head as I was just worshiping the Lord in my closet. Come on. I'm telling you, this is how it happened. Because people want to know my story. And they think that I worked to where I'm at. No, no. That ain't how it happened. Thank God, because I would have messed it up. It really was just about God saying, this is what I want you to do. And I had to say, okay, Lord. Yes, Lord. Continuously willing to surrender my life to him. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me. If not, I am more than happy to read it to you. But we're going to go to Luke chapter 5. And I'm going to read it straight through, hopefully. So it was... 
as the multitude pressed about him, meaning Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he, meaning Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and have caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done all this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled, filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were the partners of Simon. And Jesus said to them, said to Simon, Do not be afraid. I'm going to say that again. I love it in the passion. It says, do not yield to fear. Do not yield to fear. Do not be afraid. From now on, there will be a shift in your life. From now on, I'm taking you to a new level. But for such a time as this, I have been preparing you all along. From now on, you will catch men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all. Everybody say they forsook all. They forsook all and followed him. And followed him. So I want us to take a look at Simon. And some of the things we can learn about when God is calling us to a deeper level in our understanding of the supernatural... But supernaturally, how he wants to work and function through us and in us, around us, how he wants to use us to impact people around us, and the ministry that he has in mind for each one of us. See, people look at me and they're like, oh, she's got such a fantastic ministry. So do you. So do you. I am just an ordinary, unschooled woman who said, yes, Lord, send me, here I am. God, prepare me. Here I am. And the first preparation was an introduction to something deeper, something a super on my natural, an understanding that I had to come into that you can't understand. Can I just say that? A love that you can't comprehend. See, God had to prepare me in advance by entrenching me into something deeper, launching me out into the uncomfortable. And with that, the importance of understanding love, compassion. I remember very clearly, and Morgan, you might remember this. I remember very clearly kind of really kind of coming into all this. And, and I was freaked out because, you know, we 
this was going to ruin everything. You know, we were raised up in a denomination. I say raised up. I didn't get saved till I was 18. So uh, I am really a mixed breed. And so we uh, <laughs> really a mixed breed. And so like really like with the world flown in there too. And so, uh, uh, so anyways, I digress. Uh, so I'm coming into all of this and, and I've been ra- you know, raised up in this denominational church and very well schooled in the scriptures and have now homeschooling all of my children and teaching them the same. So now not only have I, is my life being shaken up, I'm, I, my children are going to be shaken up. My husband's going to be shaken up. How is this going to affect my family? How is this going to affect my, my uh, marriage? What's my husband going to do if he hears me speaking in tongues? You know, I remember being at a, a house or a, a praise and worship night and, um, I mean, I had just gone to this healing room. I was kind of really dabbling in things because I was curious, okay? And, and, I, and let me say this. I think there's a wave of curiosity that God is opening up in the spirit at the strange fire that there are people who are not turning aside, but they are looking and saying when they see the fire, they're not turning aside. Let me say that again. When you see a strange fire, some of us ignore it. We pretend like it doesn't happen or we're afraid of it. And we, and we move away. But the Bible says Moses did not turn aside. And when he did not turn aside, but he paid attention to the strange fire and began to engage with it. Then the Lord began to speak and call him. See, there are some of us who think God is not calling us, but God says, I've been showing you some strange fire, but you've been turning away instead of not turning aside, pressing into the strange fire, but rather running from the strange fire because it's too uncomfortable and you can't explain it. And it's going to require a shift in your life. It's going to require a shift in your life. So I'm getting engaged in all this strange fire, beginning to see all of these things going on. And the Holy Spirit is just drawing me into this place. And I'm at that, this point so astute in the scriptures, I'm convinced that surely God would be giving me scriptures that would counteract what I'm experiencing. But what started happening, I was like a Berean. I would accept what I would see and then I would go back in my closet and confirm it with the word, thinking that the word would actually say, no, stay away from it. But God was using the word to say, this is it. This is it. This is it. You're on it. This is where you need to be. And so I'm coming in to the fullness of the fire, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I'm kind of a little freaked and kind of a little excited because it's kind of the same feeling, right? It's like standing in line for a roller coaster. You're kind of freaked and excited at the same time. And so I'm kind of a little freaked, and I'm kind of a little excited, and I think, well, you know, my husband could divorce me. My children might think I'm strange. I don't really know. And so I'm dabbling in this. I go to a healing room because I'm curious. What does healing even mean? Does God still heal today? All of these things. And the lady who runs this healing room, she walks past me and goes, ooh, I feel the fire when I come by you. And I'm thinking, I don't feel nothing. It's hot in here. I'm taking my coat off. And, um, you know, but I think, so I think on faith, okay? So I think on faith, okay, I'm going to pretend for a moment this fire is real. Okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to faith it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to face it, and I'm going to say, let's say this fire is real, God. I'll, I'll go with it. And uh, so I take my coat off, and she says, God said that you're supposed to be um, imparted with the gift of healing. Now, mind you, I was very, 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 very intrigued with the gift of healing. And so I had been asking God questions. So I thought, this is just so strange. You know, all, all of us that came here, that she's just going to point me out. So she says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to impart the gift of healing. Take your coat off. So I take my coat off, and I'm just 
standing there. And, and I will never forget it because the, I'm, I'm, I'm fixing to tell you the first time I ever fell out because it's a hysterical story. So I'm standing there and, and I'm getting super relaxed, you know, the heaviness, the Shekinah glory is beginning to fall on me. Of course, I had no idea what that meant at the time. And I'm going like this, and I remember my gum falling out of, <laughs> out of my mouth and hitting the floor and me being aware that my gum and kind of being tickled by that, thinking it's hair. And so when I chuckled, I went, <laughs> and I just, gung. I mean, I hit the floor, and my body just began to bounce. I mean, it wasn't gentle for me. It was just like, let's just give it all to her at once. Let's hurry up. because. Uh, so, so I'm bouncing on the ground. I have no idea what's going on. I'm laughing. I'm crying. I have a movie reel going through my head of the Lord bringing things up from my past, showing it to me, literally just walking me through inner healing. I didn't know that then, but now I do. Just the Holy Spirit just counseling me, teaching me. Okay? I didn't learn how to do how to minister inner healing. I experienced it, and then I just minister what I experienced. That's all I can tell you. And so I'm coming into this wave of the Holy Spirit, but in the process of this, I hear the Lord saying, I want you to, 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 to minister to people. I want you to start loving them. And he starts putting a stirring in my heart to come alongside people and really do more than just minister salvation. Right, Because I've been in churches my whole life where they're just speaking wise and persuasive words about salvation from the pulpit. And I'm seeing no transformation in people's lives. I was seeing no transformation in my life. I was tired of dealing with clinical depression. I was tired of dealing with anxiety. I was tired of being irritable. I was tired of being anxious. I was tired of being tired. I was tired of being dissatisfied. I was tired of being discontent. I was tired and I was doing everything right according to the church. I was tired. And I was like, God, if this is all there is, then what what good is it? I'm just telling you my story. I I can't explain it. All I can tell you is my story. And so I start asking questions. I started getting curious, which, by the way, is a biological drive. It's one of our prime biological drives that we are all innately born with. Curiosity. You have to work really hard to not be curious. Okay? And so I'm I'm just curious. But in the process of all this, I am going to get to the story. I'm in the youth group because at the time I was an assistant youth pastor at a church. And so I'm a assistant youth pastor and I'm trying to temper all this that I'm coming into, uh, you know, in order to behave in the church. And, uh, and I'm, I'm feeling this on the inside. And so I, I'm in this church and, and, and they bring in these evangelists from England, older couple. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I can't stop looking at this woman. Why is this woman like so brilliant in the room? And I I can't stop thinking about her. I can't stop taking my offer. It was like nobody in the room existed except this woman. That's the strange fire. So I'm like, well, well, God, are you, are you, are you saying something to me? So the Lord just begins to speak to me about this woman. And then he says, I want you to go wash her feet. Okay. Now, mind you, the Lord had been speaking to me about the passage uh, where he says that Jesus looked out in the crowd and he saw them as harassed and helpless. And he had compassion upon them because he, he had compassion because he saw them like lost sheep without a shepherd. And I knew that that's what God, where God was taking me. That you're going to be working with people who are harassed and who are helpless. They're lost in life. They've been stripped. They've been beaten. They've been abused. 
And the enemy has been harassing them. And they have been, they're lost. And Jesus ministered to them out of compassion. And God said, I'm taking you into an understanding of the wave of the Holy Spirit. But equally, if not more important, is my love and compassion. Because if I baptize you and bring you into the fullness of the Holy Ghost, but you have not love, you are nothing. It will do nothing. So I'm sitting there and the Lord says, I want you to wash this woman's feet. And I'm thinking, this is the weirdest thing. And so you, I don't know if you guys ever get where you, you start getting nervous and you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So I'm thinking, okay. So I go over to this woman and I said, and, and the woman immediately looks at me. I'm telling you, I, I, to this day, I'm convinced she was an angel. And I, I'm convinced she was an angel. She looks at me at all these people and she goes like this to me. And I walk over and she said, what's on your heart? And I said, I really feel like the Lord's told me I'm supposed to wash your feet. (laughs) And she says, oh, well, we must hasten to obey the word of the Lord. Go get your stuff. So I'm thinking, oh, okay. So I go into the kitchen of this church where all the Marthas are. And apparently I'm irritating them because I'm now trying to find a bull. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm, I'm looking for a bowl. What kind of a bowl? A, a big bowl. What do you need a bowl for? And I'm like, now I know why Abraham said, left all the people behind when he went up to sacrifice Isaac, because they were just going to be like all, I was like, Lord have mercy. Uh, and so I'm, I'm literally sweating because this is the most uncomfortable thing that I've had to do in my entire life. And I'm nervous. And I feel like I'm going to vomit. My kids are in the room. I have no idea what they're going to think. Do you remember this? Yeah, she does. She's like, I'm still scarred, but I've been through inner healing. I've had therapy. I'm just kidding. Uh, she's fine. Aren't you fine? She's fine. Yes. Okay. So, I, so I go into in there, and so I finally just said, "They're like, what are you doing?" So finally, I get irritated. And I said, "Well, if you must know, the Lord has asked me to wash this woman's feet." And they all just stared at me. And there was again one woman in the group that was like. Well, let's get you a big bowl. And so she goes and she brings this big bowl and she's like, fill it up. Here's a towel. Now go do what you need to do. And so I go out there. I bow down at this woman's feet. Now, mind you, again, I had been like, Lord, I don't have compassion for people. Like they really irritate me. So if I'm going to go into ministry, you're going to have to fix all that. Um, Because like I'm with. Uh, So when you see mercy come out of me, it really is supernatural. Because I, I, people's, they're quirky and, uh, and funny. Uh, but so I'm like, you know, you're going to have to fix that because when I studied compassion, it meant like a wrenching of the guts. And I was like, Ooh, that sounds painful. But can I tell you, I love people painfully. Like I feel that for people just a wrenching in my gut and it's not natural, man. It keeps me up at night, like praying for people And this compassion, I'm just telling you my story. And I can't come up here and tell you all the supernatural things I've seen or that we experienced if I don't talk to you about his love and his compassion. If you don't have it, I just started to pray, God, you're going to have to fix that. You're going to have to fix it from the inside out. Because I can't, I mean, I know about it, I read about it, I see it, I've heard about it, but I don't have it. Like, am I missing something? When we talk about Simon Peter and how he said, even unto the death, I will follow you. See, like his, his spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. And he goes on, and in John 21, 
Peter and Jesus reconcile the love that he's lacking, right? When he says, feed my sheep, do you love me? Do you phileo love me? Do you even, and so he says, do you agape love me? You know, do, do, and then he goes on, he says, do you even phileo love me? Like you're not even at a place where you can love me with an agape. But there is a spirit that is coming that will pour, be poured out within you. And then you will not take your life where you want it to go. And you will be crucified, hanging upside down. You will know what it means to totally surrender. See, I see your desire is to love me and to follow me and to serve me. But without the Holy Spirit, see, we only love because he first loved us. And so by the infilling of the Holy Spirit, not only came the manifestational power gifts, but came a supernatural compassion in love. I'm just telling you my story. I'm just telling you my story. So I bow down and I come up to this woman. Now this is hysterical. She takes her shoes off and she leans over and whispers to me. Now, don't you mind the stockings? You just do what she was wearing the, you know, cause older women, they wear the stockings. And so I'm washing her feet with pantyhose on her feet. And so I'm washing her feet and no idea what God is doing. And I'm just sobbing because I mean, clearly the Lord was doing something and uh, so, because his love is good, you know, it's so good. And, um, and I, she leaned over and she said, the Lord t- shows me that you have truly a heart of compassion. Specifically what I have been praying. And it was, I say it was as if, it was, knowing what I know now, that on faith I pulled in. I released, yesterday we talked about we weasing the secret weapon, right? We, I, re, I released what was already within me on faith. Unlocked it. Doing what God asked me to do. I remember coming home and telling Brad the story. And I remember, I remember actually sitting on your lap when I was telling the story. And I was crying because I was so, I was like, Peter, when I was like, depart from me, Lord. I don't deserve, you know, just like overwhelmed by watching, you know, people were just staring. But it was like, you know, in a movie where the spotlight's like, no, I didn't care. Like nobody else existed in that moment. And so I asked the Lord that night, God, you could have asked anybody like, well, such a blessing. It was such a blessing for me to wash this woman's feet. I don't know who she is. And the Lord did speak to me. He said that these, uh, these were the feet of, that had carried good news all across the nations. And I, I ended up speaking that to her probably one of the first time I ever, although I didn't know it was a prophetic word, ended up speaking the prophetic word over her. And so I'm just kind of coming into this. And so I said, Lord, you could have, you could have asked anybody. You could have asked anybody in the room to do that. But you blessed me with that. And you want to know what the Lord said? He said, I did ask several people. You're just the only one who said, okay. I spoke my desire across the room and only one person did it. And that was you. Well done, good and faithful servant. You are ready to perform my word. And that's what's happening here with Simon couple of points. First of all, notice that Simon was present. He was present with the Lord. He was in the space with God. We, can, I, can I just say that's a message in and of itself that we need to get a little more present with God. We need to be in his presence, soaking him up. Being available. We talked this week about it's not about being adequate. It's about being available. Thank goodness. It is only about being available. 
Being like Isaiah who said, I love this. Uh, can you imagine? Scripture is so fun to me. You imagine being in a room with all the holy of holies and all the cherub angels and everything else. And God says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah is like, if I were Isaiah, I'd be like, dude, pick one of them. Cause clearly, you know, but Isaiah has the unction in the room to say, Lord, send me here. I am. Send me. See, he recognized me. There may be a ton of people in this room that are more adequate But God isn't looking for the adequate. See, God said, is there anybody in this room that will wash this woman's feet? And I said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. The word going across. I love in, in, uh, when he says, at your word, I will do it. At your word, I will do it. That word, word there is the word rhema. You understand there's a logos word, which is just like the written word. And then there's the rhema word where it just becomes revealed. It's like the Holy Spirit grabs it while it's in the air and twists it and pierces your heart with it. And it becomes alive and active for you. We were talking about that last night. Uh, my daughter was talking about how she was, she was like, oh, cause she, she loves first Kings and second Kings. And, uh, I always chuckle at the story when we were on our way to Panama and we're like, what's your favorite Bible story? And we both were the ones where they're digging the ditches. And we're like, how odd that we both have the same anyways. And so she was talking about like, I've read this all the time, but like all of a sudden this is like jumping out at me and she's dealing with a friend right now. And I said, that actually speaks right into your friend's situation. She's like, that's, that's so weird because the Lord told me to send it to her. Did you not? And I, so we talked about how that's a rhema word. Right? So she's read this story so many times in her life, and because God is unlocking the prophetic in her, and so she's starting to see this is something, there's the bouncing ball keeps bouncing on this story, and so, and God keeps connecting and laying this person on my heart, and so I'm going to, on faith, release the word to her. Right? So it's a faith walk as we're unlocking what's already been established within us. What has already been established within us. So we see Simon then is obedient. Seems so elementary, doesn't it? We all know we should be obedient. Can we, can we talk about the voice of reasoning that kind of comes in all of a sudden as he is at first, he says, Master, we have toiled all night. And caught nothing. Listen to me. If you read the beginning of this passage, they've been out all night and they've caught nothing. So they've not only been tired up all night, I've already washed my nets and I've failed. And you want me to what? I'm sorry, you're a carpenter, I'm a fisherman. Apparently, you don't know how to fish because you don't fish during the day. And I've already tried that and it didn't work. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I want you to launch out deeper. I want you to come on now. I want you to go through your failure. I want you to go past where you failed and press in to your breakthrough. That's what we call a breakthrough. It's not running away from our failures. It's not avoiding our failures. It's saying, failure, I see you, but God 
God has spoken a promise over me and I'm not going to shy away, but I'm going to go right through that failure till I get to the other side because there is a job, a work, a promise, a mission that God has in mind for me and I will not back down. He goes right through his very point of failure. Come on. Because who likes a failure box? My husband is very good at winning at everything. It's so annoying. But he refuses to play phase 10 with us because we're getting good. Because he doesn't like to lose. So he's like, I don't want to play. I love you, babe. (laughs) But you know, it's true, right, Morgan? But the point is, is we don't like to fail. Brittany doesn't like to fail. Honestly, she's a mm-mm. Nope. Nobody likes, who in here likes to fail? Come on. And we know, we can spiritualize and be like, God works through our failures. It was good for me to fail. But he does, we don't like it. But God is saying here, listen, because he's not ignorant to your failure. I love how Peter's like, I'm sorry. Let me tell you what's been happening. I've been out up all night. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm fatigued. I've already washed my nets. Now, I can't imagine. Like, they didn't have these machines. I mean, like, they had to do everything by hand. You know, scrub it, wash it, fold it, clean it. That's a lot of work. These nets were big. They were heavy. They already washed their nets. They've already tucked them. They're done. And you want me to what? You want me to launch back out into the deep? Let me, let me talk to you a little bit about the body, the soul, and the spirit. Because often our biggest obstacle that we have to overcome is the body and the soul. How I feel physically. What I'm reasoning in my mind. What I desire in my heart. The feelings that I'm having about the situation. My own fear. You can't tell me that he's like, "Mm, great, I get to go out and fail again. That's fear. He had overcome all that. But, but the body is a picture, the body, the soul, and the spirit. It is a picture of what it looks like. If I want to get into the spirit, I've got to bypass. I've got to overcome what my body and my soul are telling me in a moment. I've got to overcome it. So your soul is your personality. It's your, your thinker, your feeler, and your picker. It's what I think, how I feel, and what I choose. So you know he had to be saying, okay, listen, I am a master fisherman. You are a carpenter. I know more about fishing than you do. It doesn't make sense to fish during the day. I just got done finished washing my, my net, and I'm tired and exhausted, and everything's put away. I want to go home. I've been up all night. This, that's too far for me to row. I'm exhausted. It's not safe in the deep water. The Leviathan resides in there. I'm mentally drained and I'm discouraged. I've been up all night and I have been failing. I have not been successful. Listen, I'm just telling you all the reasonings. When God says, launch out into the deep. Those are the things that are going to come after you. I would love to tell you, and you will face obstacles of the world. But the biggest obstacle you will face is right here and here. It's right here and here. And I know this because we bring women and men into our housing program and we remove 
lack of affordable and accessible childcare, lack of affordable and accessible housing, lack of affordable and accessible transportation, all the suburban poverty barriers, we remove them, but we still have to deal with this and this. Because poverty starts here and here. And I would like to propose to you that all of us in here struggle with poverty in one way or another. And I'm not speaking that over this house. I'm exposing it to shine a light on it because when we shine a light, the devil devil flees. So as we're exposing it and as we're saying, yes, I think too small. Yes, I'm stuck in the land of just enough. I see that everybody else has more than enough, but that's not for me. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because you are a child of God. And there is an inheritance that is due you, and it is not just enough. Nowhere in the Bible does it talk about it. He didn't feed the multitude and there was just enough. No, 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 no. There were basketfuls left over. He did not anoint your head and there was just enough. But your cup runneth over. Come on now. He did not just bring them into the wilderness, but he pressed them through. Come on now. Through the wilderness to get them to the promised land because he's a God of abundance. He's a God of more than enough. When the disciples said, we want to know where you're staying. He said, I'll do more than that. I'll take you to where I'm staying and you can spend the entire day with me. See, whatever desire you pour out upon him, God says, I want to do more than that. Saul says, he says, what do you want from me? He says, I want to give you, I want wisdom. God gives him wisdom and he gives him riches. See, God always gives us more than what we ask for. Because he wants to bless us. The Bible says it delights the father to bless his children. It delights him to bless you. But the enemy wants you to think you're not blessable. He doesn't want you to ask for it. Because what if you don't get it? Does that change who God is? We talked all this weekend about how your reality does not equal your truth. I'm not here to negate the reality that maybe you're stuck in a, in a bad financial situation. But there is a truth that you can cling to that says, I am greater. I trump. I am bigger. I am more magnificent. I am more wonderful than the reality that you are stuck in, but it is time for you to launch out into the deep and experience the abundance of the fish. Come on now. There wasn't just enough fish to fill Peter's boat, but there was so much fish. He started chunking it into the boats of those around him. That is my God. He doesn't want to just fill you up. He wants you to overflow because he has people around you. He has in mind that are going to get to taste and see that God is good, but it starts here. It starts here. See, the establishment is not a variable. You are the variable. It's all about you. You, because God has given you the authority. He's given you the ownership. He has said, you are the one I said to stand high upon the heights and beat the enemy his fine dust beneath your feet. I have given you dominion upon the earth to stand upon it and to subdue it. Every place you set your foot, I will give you that land. I have put a shield of victory in your hand. You can bend a bow of bronze. Y'all, that's not natural. That's not natural. But Peter wasn't going to experience the super until he got over the natural. You can't experience the super until you come to the end of you. 
I couldn't experience a supernatural love until I came to the end of me. Until I said, God, I can't love people like that. I, 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 I can't do it, God. You're going to have to do it. And God said, no problem. No problem. If you're willing, I am able. If you're willing, I am able. Listen, baby, can you roll away the stone? When you roll away the stone, I'll resurrect what needs to be resurrected. You do what you can do, and I'll meet you with what you can't do. Come on now, that's a word. I'm going I'm to tell you this is what you need to do. Because Peter, listen to me, when the fish started coming, and Peter's like, yeah, yeah, this is it, this is it. And then his tool breaks, I love it. God's like, just in case you have forgotten that this is supernatural, let me take your strength, okay, which is your net, and your life bread, which is your net, and let me rip it in half. Let me tear it. Let me break it. Just in case you aren't convinced or you have forgotten that this is only because there was an at your word. There was a word that was spoken. And according to the word of the Lord, it was done. According to the word of the Lord, it was done. Jesus responds here and says, and I said it earlier, do not yield to your fear. Stop being afraid. And the Lord spoke this to me. It's, it's, it's direct, but the Lord spoke this to me because I, 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 like, I like fun. And so I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So I like to wear neon colors. And so, um, but God said to me, listen, I'm serious when I'm calling you. I'm not playing games. And it's going to be fun and you're going to enjoy it. But this is a serious work. And so don't tell me yes if you don't mean yes. Don't say you will if you're not going to. Don't play with, don't make a vow and then return it. And it says in Ecclesiastes, if you make a vow, be sure to fulfill it. For it's better for you not to make a vow than to make a vow hastily before the Lord and not do it. Remember the two brothers? When the father said, go and do this, and one said, I will do it, but he didn't. And the other one said, no, but he did. See, the action spoke. And God was saying, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you. Will you partner with me in more than just washing a woman? This is just the tip of the iceberg of what's fixing to get uncomfortable in your life. Because there is a shift I'm inviting you into. But before you say yes, you need to know I'm not playing games. I'm not playing games. And there's a shift coming to this church, and it's not going to come through them. It's not going to come through them. It's going to come through y'all. But before you shift, you better be serious. You better say, my yes is not just a yes. It's a yes and an amen. It is a yes and amen. I will do it. God, at your word, I will do it. At your word. God, here's all my reasonings of why I don't think it's going to work. Okay, go ahead and reason it out before the Lord. That's all right. But nonetheless, he says, nonetheless, but nonetheless, at your word, I will do it. I love it. He says, here's all the things, all the reasons, all the excuses of why I don't think it's going to work. God, I have some serious doubt in my heart. But at your word, I have decided I will follow you and I will do what you tell me to do. That's where it's at. I'm just telling you my story. 
I'm just telling you my story. And the outcome is people are saved. They're healed. They're delivered. They have fish being chunked inside their boats. We're seeing people changed, transformed. We have a 98% success rate. And please do not hear me saying that I'm bragging on me, bragging on our program, or even bragging on my staff. We're bragging on a man, and his name is Jesus. We're bragging on a man because no person, no program, no government agency, no ministry, no team so hot can do what only God can do. And that is restore lives 100%. 100%. How do we do what we do? I don't know. We just listen for God and we say, yes, God. Sure, whatever. I'm in too deep to turn back now. I'm in too deep to turn back now. People already don't like me or they love me. I don't know. I don't care. But I'm just going to put my face to the ground and I'm going to stay wholly devoted unto you. I'm going to listen for you. And at your word, God, I will continue to do it. And the world's going to say what they want to say. And the church is going to say what they want to say. And people are going to try and sue me or they're going to try and sue the ministry. But God, you have spoken a word. And at your word, I will continue to launch out into the depths, the places where it doesn't make sense, even though. I'm tired, even though I feel like I'm failing, even though I feel fatigued and I've been up all night, I've been doing this for nine years and I'm exhausted. But God says, yes, yes, Lord. Yes. And amen. Yes, I will. Let me close with this. And I am going to have an altar call and see if we can just press that deep into everybody today in Jesus name. But in Ezekiel chapter 47, it talks about the depths of the river. And I think a lot of us in this room have waded around in the Holy Spirit and in his love. And we've gone ankle deep and we've gone, come on, you know, the passage, right? Where it talks about, maybe you don't. It says that it talks about at the depths of the river, there were fruit trees of all kinds growing on both sides of the banks. Now listen, it said their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear. Listen, it doesn't matter if I'm in a winter season in my natural. It doesn't matter if I'm in a winter season in my flesh. The ministry that God is doing through me continues to bear fruit, even in spite of me. In spite of me. And that's how it should be. When there's a work of the Lord, a spiritual work, it should continue to grow. It becomes a big, hairy monster in spite of you, outside of you, beyond you. More than I can control. Come on. That's just what happens. And he says their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Because the water flows from the sanctuary into those places. Listen, we're talking about the river of life. I talked at the very beginning about the woman of the well, and he talks to her that there will be a river of life that springs up out of you. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and the love that springs up out of you. And when you are entrenched in it, listen now, don't think you are when maybe you're not. Last week I preached on, and the passage was, if you were living a lie, would you want to know? So sometimes we don't know what we don't know, but are you willing to know what you don't know? So some of us, our knowledge of thinking I've already, I'm already entrenched in the Holy Spirit is keeping us from learning about the deeper levels of the Holy Spirit, right? And so when God says, I want you to entrench yourself in the Holy Spirit, 
And I want you to go so deep. And I want you to stop thinking. I want you to stop strategizing. Stop doing your budget. Okay? Stop reasoning with what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you're going to do it. And stay entrenched so deeply in the Holy Spirit to where you can no longer touch the ground. Listen. There was a season in this season of my life, and Kyler probably remembers this, where God said, I want you to dive out into this lake. We were at this retreat thing, and, and there, was, there was a rope that said, do not cross this. Well, if you know me, that means, hey, we should cross this, um, because that's just kind of my, my spirit, is I'm going to go beyond the boundaries every time. And so... Um, so I cross it. Nobody else wants to go. So I'm like, fine, whatever. I'll go. And there was really high winds that day. And as I was standing on the edge of this lake, the Lord spoke and said, come, come into the water. And, um, and I started walking into the water. And as I was walking into the water, I started reasoning all the reasons why this is not a good idea. Because it was really windy that day. And I'm a really good swimmer. But I'm telling you, I heard a voice inside my head that said, you don't even know how to swim. I heard a voice and it was like, you know, I was bipolar having the bipolar moment. It was a spirit in the, and my flesh just arguing and God saying, if you trust me, you'll come. And, and the enemy saying, you don't even know how to swim. You still have your shoes on. Can I just say, I was like, even on my period that day, cause that was a real thing. Like the, just all these reasons, like you shouldn't jump in. You should, you know, all these things. And what I realized is when I looked down, I had subtly backpedaled out of the water. Because fear and reasoning and my right mind talked me out of getting into my crazy mind. And I stood there and I thought, if I don't get in this water, I'm going to regret this moment for the rest of my life. And so then I decided I was going to back up and run. So I backed up and I thought, I got to go fast before the enemy talks me out of it. I'm just going to either, I'm going to, this is going to be a yes and an amen. I'm not going to tiptoe in. I'm going to go. I'm going to launch out into this water. And so I took off running my shoes on, my clothes on, everything. Took off running and I just started to swim. And I started to swim and I got out and it was, it was, I'm telling you, it was stormy that day. There were a lot of waves coming up and I'm swimming. And, and the Lord just began to speak to me about how he had taught me to swim. You know, Lisa, these waves are overtaking you because you don't have your eyes up. Either take the wave or go under the wave, right? So you either go over or you go under a wave instead of the wave. So you conquer the waves that way. And so the Lord just begins to speak to me about the waves of trials and tribulations and how he's already already taught me and trained me just even as he's taught me how to swim. And so I start and I keep going out and I, for everyone, so, you know, when you're going out deeper, you stop and to see how deep you are and you put your foot down, you know. And so I got out to where I was about this deep and I put my foot down and I was like, there, I did it. And God was like, no, you didn't. I want you to swim out to where you can no longer put your foot down and feel the bottom because that's what faith is. And, and I tell you that story because I feel like some of us in this room have even gone neck deep, nose deep. Sometimes we go down and we can touch the water, but I can still feel the bottom. Okay. I can still feel the bottom. But God is saying, will you come out to where you have to trust me to give you the strength to swim? And trust me that I'm going to give you the strength to get back. Nobody out there is completely alone. Pivotal moment in my life. But I couldn't say, I'll try it. I 
just did it at the word of the Lord. So, Father, we come before you today. And, God, as we just open up the altar, God, and I know we talk about the river being down here and whatever. God, do what you want to do. You do you, God. (laughs) And we're just going to stand here and let you do what you want to do. But, God, I sense that there's um, some things being opened up in lives. There have been some people here today that almost have liked and loved or loved and hated this message all at once because they've loved it because it's confirming things, but they've hated it because now they have a decision to make. And you've brought them to a place where they have to make a choice. And so, God, I'm confident that just as you began the work in this room, you're going to finish it. You're going to carry it out. You're going to confirm. And, God, you're going to cleanse them of every hesitancy. You know, the, the Bible says that we are not of those who shrink back. We don't shrink back, but we press in. And so, Father, we thank you that at your word, God, everything that you say you're going to do, not only do you do it, you do more. You do more. So we thank you, Lord. I just declare and decree a shift in this place. I agree with you, Pastor. When you spoke that word, I was like, that confirms what God was saying. I, I agree with the word of the fresh touch of love that will cause the shift. See, because love is what causes us to shift. Because love is what keeps us up at night. So I agree with those words as they were spoken, that a fresh love is being poured out in this room even right now. And even as love is being received, listen, I'm not asking you to love God. I'm asking you to receive his love. I'm not asking you to bring him a drink. I'm asking you to receive a drink. I'm not asking you to draw water from the well for him. He's already drawn the water from the well. He doesn't need your water pot. The woman, when she walked away from Jesus, left her water pot behind because she didn't need to go to the natural well anymore because there was a well that she knew not of that was springing up inside of her. That's the love of God. I am compelled because I am convinced. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You do it, God. You do it, God. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. 